Welcome to the Intuitive Therapist Podcast with Janice R. Cohen, therapist, clairvoyant, empath, and medium. Listen in as she takes a no-nonsense deep dive into real human struggles and how to resolve them. Janice will share channeled information from her spirit guide team, as well as the angels and archangels, to help you master your emotional, physical, financial, and spiritual destiny. And now, Janice R. Cohen. Hey y'all, this is Janice Cohen, the Intuitive Therapist here on the Intuitive Therapist Podcast. Before I get into today's episode, I wanted to make sure that you got on my mailing list because I have a surprise for only those people who are on my mailing list. Seriously, I'm not offering it anywhere else and it's going to be for a very limited time. But it's something that I've been working on for a while and it's a divine creation and I'm not selling anything promise you. I've been guided to give this to you free of charge and without attaching any offers to it. And I am really, truly excited and proud of what it is. So to get on my mailing list, go to JaniceRCohen.com, enter your name and email address, and keep your eyes peeled in the coming weeks for this new gift headed your way via your email. So Now that I've addressed that, let's get on to today's episode. So the other night, I was invited to my friend's house to listen to a speaker. And there there were supposed to be so many more uh, people there, but uh, most of them, actually all of them canceled, except for my friend, her husband, and me. And in my heart, I knew that this is how it was supposed to be. I always know things are the way they're supposed to be. And What was interesting is that the previous two nights, my husband and I were up at 4 a.m. We typically get up around 5, sometimes 6, but not these past two nights. Up at 4, ready to go. (laughs) This sounds crazy, I know. Needless to say, I was really tired. Um, I have been working harder than usual, longer hours than usual to get a lot done, and so I was carrying the weight of being quite tired. Um, And so I kept checking with my guides about whether or not I needed to still go to this event. And I kept getting an unconditional yes. Like, you know, there was no way to get out of this. And it's not like I really wanted to get out of it. I just, I just was tired. And while I didn't feel trapped, I knew I was going to see my dear friends and spend quality time with them. Um, and I didn't know the reason why spirit was so clear and certain that I have to attend regardless of how tired I felt, but I knew that there was something I'm like, okay, there's a reason, uh, why I am being pushed to go. So I gathered my energy and I traveled just a few minutes down the road because my dear friend lives down the road for me. I feel very lucky about that. Um, and the topic of the speaker was promoted as astrology. And I love all things metaphysical, astrological. And so I was like, cool, I can, I can do this. I could just sit back. I don't have to have small talk with anybody because uh, I hate small talk. And I can just sit back and learn, right? And so while I'm not an expert on astrology, I know a few things. Um, and what's also interesting is that within the, la- the past few days, I've been writing about how ego keeps us safe 
how the ego acts like a gatekeeper of the mind, making it difficult to allow new information in because of previous and current beliefs that we have. And this makes it hard to be a student because your ego is telling you, well, wait a minute, we already know this as familiar, right? But different information is being shared. So while I was listening to this man speak about astrology, it was so weird because I was keenly aware of how my gatekeeper was causing me to feel on guard. Like, you know, I didn't know this man from Adam. And my mind, my ego told me that I already knew much of what he was talking about. I could feel it. It was like I could feel the way my face was sitting. And I didn't mean it to be that way. But I'm like, oh, great. Did I really waste my time here? Seriously. And, um, you know, it was true. There was a lot of what he talked about that I did know that was familiar to an extent. Um, but what I learned from him, his paradigm, his way of seeing all of these things was absolutely entirely new. But it was based on old wisdom that I had. So I don't know if that makes sense. Um, but the astrologer was a very earthy, crunchy looking dude, plainly dressed with long scraggly hair and a beard and a mustache. And I could tell uh, that I was already sizing him up. At least I was aware that it was what my ego was doing to see, oh my God, is this guy going to just yammer, yammer, yammer and talk about stuff that I don't want to hear about? Or does this guy really know his stuff? So I kept reminding myself that I was told to be here. And I kept reminding myself of what I've been writing about. Like this, this was a pure example of my ego at work of my ego saying, look, um, you don't need to learn anything new about this. We're good. What you believe is fine, right? That's how I would think I would hear my ego if it was talking to me. Janice, don't, this guy, you know, you don't need to learn anymore. And I was like, but I want to learn. I love learning. So I kept reminding myself that I was told to be there and that there was something I was supposed to learn. So I needed to quit listening to all of these egoic, crappy judgments and open my mind. So it did. And while he spoke about familiar concepts like chakras, energy, and astrology, what I didn't expect was to learn this lesson about the hardest kind of love to have. And in the center of our being, you know, we have seven chakras. We actually have more, but the, the, the typical ones that most talk about are the seven, right? And our fourth chakra is in the middle of our chest, and it's the heart chakra. And it's the seat of love, love for ourselves and others, and the connecting center of our upper and lower chakras. It's like the central point. So the lower chakras, some people call them chakras, some people call them chakras. Look tomatoes, tomatas, it means the same thing, right? So I call them chakras, and that's how I'm going to say it today. So the lower chakras tend to be about survival, self-expression, personal power. The higher chakras from the heart above, the heart is the fourth, the fifth is the throat, the sixth is the third eye, and the seventh is the, um, oh great, it's eluding me, the name, crown chakra, thank you. So the higher chakras are the ones 
that we can call love and above. They allow us to tap into all that is, and we plug into source, God, spirit, whatever you prefer to call the greater power. And love is at the center of it all. But isn't that always true for anything and everything in our lives? Like love for ourselves when we make a mistake, when we beat ourselves up, when we have regret, when we grieve, like love is at the center of that, to repair that, to finish that, to heal that. And love for others when they mess up, when they have bad behaviors, when they need help, when, when they grieve. Love for them is at the center of that. And so we lean into the topic of love, not simply skimming the topic, but going deeply into it. And it's a subject that I love to talk about, love. And in, in ways that I really had not thought of or heard of before. And what was fascinating is that for each chakra, there is a ruling astrological sign. Now, those of us who aren't astrologers wouldn't know that. Those of us who haven't studied the chakra system, all of that, wouldn't know that either. Now, again, I was familiar with chakras. I know them pretty well. Uh, did not know that there was a ruling astrological sign for each. So remember I said I learned something new about love? And I'm going to tell you what that is. But first, let me tell you about a neighbor of mine. Over the past year, this neighbor who moved down the street from us has a parking spot that's always, that's really away from his house. And it's in front of where we live. He has repeatedly confronted us about how we park outside of the lines and into his parking space. And, you know, um, and that sounds kind of silly, huh? Uh, and who can park perfectly in a parking space all of the time, right? Nobody. So over the past year, he's continued to bring this up to us. Even recently, he took a step further, parking his car in front of our house, <laughs> making his point that he could park there, which we really don't care. Doesn't doesn't bother us. So both my husband and I are seasoned clinicians by trade, and my husband has shifted into being a uh, a chef. Uh, several decades ago, but he and I met on my early in one of my earliest jobs as a group home manager, and he was uh, a clinician and also an admin. So that's how we connected. Um, you know, so this guy has really made it kind of difficult for us, or at least he's trying. Uh, and we realize that he really needs to be right, that he's acting like a little boy who needs to follow rules to the letter and can't adopt flexibility around them. So you know, the acting out over time and the passive aggressive behavior kind of explains all this. And all of this had gotten under our skins at one point. And we have reported him to the housing authority. We, we asked for help, right? To no avail, we got none. So here we are. The reason why I'm telling you this story is to emphasize what I learned about love from the astrologer. And I realized that this is why I was supposed to attend this event. As tired and worn out as I was, you see, it's easy to love something or someone when it suits us or when things are going our way uh, or going well. It's really easy to give love then, isn't it? It's a hell of a lot harder to give love when someone has bad behavior, right? Even if you understand, you could rationalize it, still bad behavior, right? Like this neighbor of ours. And so as the astrologer was speaking, he mentioned the hardest kind of 
love to have was love for our enemy. Now, an enemy can be classified in many ways based on your own personal rules about what makes an enemy. This man wasn't an enemy of ours, and he really is not out to harm us, uh, but he was someone who we felt was not a friend. And having love for the enemy, right, that can be tough. It can be a tough one for us to do. So how do we love, have love for someone who does bad things, right? And so when we think about the heart being the center of who we are, it was interesting the way he explained this. It made sense. It's that here we are with this heart, with with all of this love to give where we choose to give it. But the other side of that is, aren't we really here to be love, to give love regardless? And if we can get into that state of mind of, and state of being, the beingness of love is, is unlimited. And so as we be in the beingness of love, we elevate higher and higher and are closer and more closely connected to God, spirit, the universe. But how do we have love for someone who does bad things, for somebody who hurts us, for somebody who needs to be right or in charge or get his or her way or any other thing that they do, who are passive aggressive, who betray you, right? Who disappoint you. Truth is that the highest version of ourselves that we can be, like I was talking about, is love. And that is why we are put here on this earth. Not to find our passion or purpose, and yes, that is important, and not to achieve, although that's important too, but to find, connect with, and ultimately give love. This is the reason why we're here. So when he spoke about having love in our hearts for the enemy, he said that this was the hardest kind of love to have because it goes against our natural instinct to protect and defend ourselves when bad things happen. And after 30 years, 30 plus years of being a therapist, and from my own years and years and years of self-development, my own work, what I know for sure is how someone shows up has nothing to do with me. Their behavior that they choose to have isn't because I've done anything. It's because they have rules and values that they need to make good on. And over time, Spirit kept giving me these images of this man as a young boy fighting to get approval from his father by doing everything right, making no mistakes so as to risk the conditional love that his father offered. And when I put the two together, this image and the message of the astrologer about loving our enemy a shift happened within me. And I went from frustrated to compassionate. And I began to see myself not just having compassion for him, but also feeling actual love for him because of the divine download about why he was the way he was. And that let me let go of the contempt I was harboring for him. And it felt relieving. I didn't need to be mad anymore. Why did I need to be mad in the first place, right? What's the need about being mad? I was free from the heaviness and the need to push back at him. 
and I had not done anything directly, but I felt the need to defend us. And when I think about applying this to others in my life, I, I, in all honesty, I still find it very difficult to do initially. But when I think about the painful place that anybody is coming from when they have bad behavior, because at first, most of us, almost all of us, when somebody has bad behavior, we immediately feel like it's coming at us. And even though we see and hear that it's directed to us, like somebody may like really literally be in our face and yelling at us and all of that, the initial response, I believe, of most of us is to get defensive, to feel that it's personal. But when you think about the fact that somebody is choosing to act out that way, that there's a reason behind it. And even though you may not know what that reason is, you've got to look deeper than what you're seeing and hearing. That's the only way to get to be able to give love when things are difficult. Okay, so move beyond what's being officially presented to you. Go behind the scenes. Use your hearing, feeling, knowing, seeing, your imagination. And know that anytime anybody acts out, there is always some sort of sense of inadequacy or fear or need. Most often, people act out in like the way this neighbor has or, or any other way because they feel something is unjust. Right? People need to be right. People want things to be fair. And they certainly want things to be fair and right for them. We all do. So when you think about the painful place that anybody's coming from when they have bad behavior, it makes it that much more possible for you to shift into a state of love for them, knowing that likely 99% of the people that you come in contact with are not bad people, but they're struggling. They're struggling with something, and so they have a reaction, right? And the truth is that there are lessons to be learned on both sides of the fence of having someone show up in a particular way that sets you off and triggers you, and also uh, checking in with yourself, being able to monitor, have self-monitoring, and go, huh, what's in this for me? Is there something about what's going on that I can learn from, right? There always is. So it's kind of rhetorical, but it's a real question. So maybe the phrasing of it could be, what can I learn from this? And you may end up saying, well, I don't have anything to learn from it. This guy's acting or this girl's acting like an asshole. Uh, that's, that has nothing to do with me. I'm good. Maybe it does. Maybe it doesn't. I happen to think that it does because there's on, on some level you're being triggered. Some level. You may not react the same way, but on some level you're being triggered. So the learning comes down to being able to be aware of your triggers and addressing them, fixing them so that you're no longer triggered by the bad behaviors of anybody. And that was my lesson. And as I grow to grow love in my heart for the truth that bad behaviors of other people stem from their past pain and discomfort, if I keep that in my head, in my mind, and it's not because they're bad people. Now, there are very bad people in the world. I'm not talking about the psychopaths and sociopaths and all that. But I'm talking about most people. 
if I keep that in mind, that we all struggle, that that there's a lot of pressure in the world and that some people just get to a point where they get tipped off, right? And they blow. And so if I, if I know that there's always, always a struggle behind a bad behavior, always a personal painful struggle, then I can... I can lean back into the love in my heart and I can take a step back like a, you pan back in a movie and I can observe versus react. You can still have bad behavior and still not be a bad person. And the alternative is true. You can have bad behavior and be a bad person. And all I know is that it feels better for me to shift into love so that I have a better quality of life, that I don't rob myself of happiness in the moment. That's very true too, right? So I don't want to rob myself of the good stuff. I want to give love to me. I want to enjoy life. I want to be present. And I want to feel good because I got a lot of love to share, even if you act poorly. And so that's why we have to try to cultivate love for our enemies, for ourselves and for our peace of mind first, and then to show them what goodness and kindness looks like, right? It's hard. It's hard, especially, remember I talked about the sense of injustice, that people, if you look around at the, in, in everything that's going on in the world today and in history and in your life, Whenever you felt pissed off, it was because you felt like something was unjust. And if you know that now, if you know that that is a trigger of yours, then this is what you get to work on. You get to work on your trigger of feeling that things are unfair or unjust and that things are not, that's not right. And so what do we really know about what's right? What do we really know? Except what you know in your, in your heart is the kindest thing to do. That's what's right. The most loving thing to do. That is what's right. So think about those who've had bad behaviors in your life. You don't have to accept or approve of their behaviors. It's not, I'm not talking about that. But wouldn't it be so much nicer if in spite of their bad behaviors, you chose to remain in a place that brings you more peace and perhaps helps others too? That's love. Love looks like taking a breath, taking a moment, take five, Take 10. Before you respond, I mean, before you react, that's love. And to be able to remind yourself that people act out not because you're the problem, but because they have their own sense of injustice that they're working through. And of course, if there's something you can do on your end to not... Um, be a part of that, great. But still, anybody who has a reaction, it's their job to resolve their own stuff, their own reaction. So love the enemy. 
be from, live from a place of love and see how it feels. I wish you a blessed day, a wonderful week, and as always, live intuitively. Thanks for listening to The Intuitive Therapist. If you like what you heard, the best compliment you can give us is to share this podcast with a friend. And be sure to give us some stars and a favorable review at Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen in.